Our joy is proportional to our trust. Our trust is proportional to our knowledge of God. To know Him is to trust Him. And to trust Him is to have joy in His presence. Who do you say that I am? What do you want? These are the questions Jesus asked of his disciples as recorded in Scripture. He asks those same questions of us today as his followers. Hi, my name is David Dennis, and I'm with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are going through a series of biblical principles that the Kansas Communities Ministry has inherited over the years as compiled by former ministry director Dr. Richard Spann. The first principle which we covered in the first podcast of this series was captured in the phrase, don't just pray for the ministry, realize that prayer is the ministry. Today we have our second podcast in this series, and Dr. Spann shares with us some thoughts he has about the questions Jesus had for his disciples and how those same questions he asks of each of his followers today. Some years ago, probably 15 years ago, I began looking at the questions of Jesus in the scriptures. The first question he asked was, uh, what do you want? The second question, near the half of half point of his ministry, he asked of the disciples, and that was, who do you say that I am? And the third one he asked of Peter, uh, do you truly love me more than these? So I think those three questions began to occupy a lot of my mind and thought for many years. One at the beginning, one at the midpoint, and one at the end. And I think they're very significant. Uh, Now, if we were to uh, ask catechism class, who do you say that I am, they would be very quick with the answer. Peter was very quick with his answer. They're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I think the catechism class, class would be quick too. But as I think of that question that the Lord has for us, I think that he, he wants a deeper answer than uh, an intellectual response. He wants a deeper answer than comes from our lips. He wants an answer that is a volitional answer, a response of our will. He is looking for an answer of our life, not just of our lips. I think uh, uppermost in the mind of God is that we know who he is. I think if we really knew God, knew who he was fully, all of our problems would be solved. Christ came into the world with full knowledge of God, with complete trust in Him, complete dependence upon Him. He lived a life that was triumphant in every aspect, triumphed over sin as a responsibility, as a possibility of coming from within, triumphed over sin as a possibility of coming from without, triumphed over sin as responsibility assumed. And his, his was the perfect life, the life that God had in mind when he said back in Genesis 1.27, let us make man in our own image. And I think likewise, in knowledge of God, who do we say that he is, is one of the most important things that we could ever determine. Because I think it determines our response to him, our response to every situation that happens in life because we know we know him we can trust him 
because we trust him, we can have joy in every situation. One of the sermons that G. Campbell Morgan wrote some years ago was based on Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, actually the whole of Habakkuk. And in that sermon, he commented that our joy is proportional to our trust. Our trust is proportional to our knowledge of God. To know him is to trust him. And to trust him is to have joy in his presence. I think there are so many things that that come across our life each day, multiple times some days, that threaten us. And they threaten us because we do not have the complete knowledge of God. We do not trust him. If we, if we really knew him, if we really could say in our lives with our attitudes, our ambitions, our aspirations, our response, if they were all centered on the correct knowledge of God, then we would have complete trust. We would have trust, then we would have joy. It would change our lives entirely. One of the things that Morgan mentioned at the end of his sermon was that if you look at that passage in Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, though the fig tree should not blossom, be no fruit on the vine, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off the fold, be no cattle in the stalls, he says, yet I will exult in the Lord, I will rejoice in God my Savior. He points out that that word exult really means to, to jump up and down. And to rejoice means to spin around. And the best example of that I can think of was when we visited my granddaughter. She was about two. Surprise visit. We saw her at a McDonald's in Iowa on the way to Illinois. And when she saw us, she could not stop jumping. Jumped up and down, and literally she would spin around. I've never seen such joy. And God says that this, that if we knew him the way he wants us to know him, we would be jumping up and down and spinning around. And, and that is what, what I think uh, he desires of our lives, that we really know him. And we would trust him in, in every situation. And I think that's what he wants us to, to work toward. And in his uh, name that he's given us, Yahweh in the Old Testament, he has to make that known to us by a number of examples. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that will provide. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. Uh, Jehovah Sidkenu, our righteousness. Jehovah Mekadishkam, our holiness. Jehovah Ra, our shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, our healer. That word is so comprehensive and so complete that that he, we will never really grasp the, the fullness, the wholeness of all that he has done. But I, I think that's a lifelong pursuit, and, and indeed I think a pursuit throughout eternity to know him more deeply. Mm-hmm. And that's that is the solution to our our need as as humans mm-hmm. is to know God. A person maybe new to the faith or a person old to the faith uh, has the question: How do I get to know Him better? What would your answer be to that? Uh, well, like it's the same way we get to know anyone better. We spend time with them. It's as simple as that. And I think that 
We spend time in the morning when we first get up. We spend time talking to him. We spend time reading, spend time studying, spend time memorizing, meditating on the scriptures. We spend time with others who are likewise involved in the pursuit of knowing him. We get around people who have that same hunger and thirst. And it's the Holy Spirit's desire to make him known to us, and we can trust the Holy Spirit to do that. Yeah, good, good. Did you want to do the other two questions um, about uh, who do you say that I am and uh, uh, what do you do? What do you what want? Do me you to want? Do? Yeah. Yeah, let's, we can move on into that one after that. Or if you have something uh, else before, then that's fine. What you do you want? Yeah, let's do the other one. Uh, I, what do you want? Um, what do you want, of course, is the first question that uh, is recorded, I think, in the Gospel of John. And the two disciples that were, were disciples of John the Baptist were there the day before and had heard John the Baptist point out Jesus. And the next day Jesus came toward them again, it said, and and John, John the Baptist pointed him out. And so they followed him. One was John, one was Andrew. And their question of, of uh, did the Lord ask them, what do you want when he saw them coming? Of course, their answer says, where, where are you staying? Where are you hanging out? Uh, which is to mean, basically, we have a lot on our mind. We'd like to go over. We'd like to spend some time with you. But that one question has always haunted me. What do you want? Particularly in regard to the question that's mentioned in the Old Testament that the Lord posed to Solomon. Ask me for whatever you would like me to give you. Ask me. And I think those two questions are uh, resonate in my mind because I think there's a sense in which the Lord asks each one of us in our lives, what do you want? What are you living for? What is your purpose? More than anything else in this life, in this world, what do you want? Because I'm able to give that to you. I'm able to fulfill your deepest desire, your deepest need. Uh, and I came to draw you to myself. I came to fulfill you. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. What do you want? Uh, or as, as a physician, you'd ask a patient, how can I help you? You know. Uh, and I think over the years, as I think back on what I've wanted that's changed, uh, initially, I think it was material. I think we were looking for a child in our family and were told we couldn't have any for a while. So that was what I prayed for. I remember each day on the way to work when I lived in Rochester, Minnesota, I'd pray for a child. Later, after coming to Wichita, I prayed for a successful practice. Uh, and then, as I became involved with the Navigators, I prayed for opportunities to share the gospel to uh, disciple others. Uh, and I think as, as over the time, period of time, as the years have gone by, that has changed understanding a lot about life and eternity. Uh, James says, for example, that our life is uh, a breath, single breath, not two breaths, just one. So if I really want something that's going to impact eternity, I will want to desire something that will impact eternity. Uh, in eternity, we are with God. Those that have 
decided to believe on him and trust him. And our job before him, our joy will be to worship and serve him uh, and to uh, honor him, to glorify him. And, and as you think about the one thing that we can offer to God is the perfection of that worship and service and glorification. That's why he's created us. That's why we're here. That's where we're headed. And so what, what I really want is, is something that will prepare me to the fullest extent possible to, to glorify and to honor and to serve him throughout eternity. So over the last 15 years since I began thinking about that, that's become a daily prayer. That God would do everything necessary each day to prepare me for the eternal occupation of honoring, serving, and glorifying Him. And as I thought about that over the years, I thought that's much too selfish. <laughs> I need my. I want. I want all of God's people, every tribe, every tongue, uh, wherever they are, to have that same perfection of knowledge of. of of glorification, of likeness to Christ that will permit them to glorify and honor and worship Him in perfection throughout eternity. And the reason for that is that God is worthy. And the reason for wanting that is that God is infinitely more worthy of glory and honor and praise than can possibly be given by all of His creation all of his creation, all of those that will make it to heaven by his grace, that are prepared, that are like Christ, that will worship him for eternity. This is only a mere fraction of the glory and honor and praise that is due him. So I think it is fitting that that, that should be my highest desire and want. Now, having said that, if that indeed is what I want, then I'm going to I'm going to want to commit my life to that. I'm going to want to commit my life to people to see that that's accomplished in their lives. Okay. So that is a progress of, of thinking through what do you want. And I think that's an important question for us mm. because I think our lives are determined by our desires, our wants, our wishes, what we, what, where we're headed. So I think the determination of those wants and desires is an important part of how we get where we want to go. I think I can hear someone asking, um, that all sounds good, but I really do want to build my practice. I really do want to make a lot of money. I really do want to make a name for myself, perhaps. Um, what would be a, a prayer that you would recommend for someone who has that feeling in their heart right now? Yeah, that's an excellent question because we do have other ones. We do have other desires. I want to please my wife. I want to spend time with my children. I want to see my grandchildren do well in their school. I want to spend time with them. And those are all, all valid. And I think we can bring all of those before God and we can pray about those things. And I do pray about those things. I pray regularly about my children, grandchildren, church everybody else, our world, and uh, I even pray about sinking a putt sometimes on the golf course. <laughs> but I think that there is a part of our life that is deeper than anything else. 
And I think the Lord is wants us to enjoy the life he's given us in one another and all of these other things. Mm-hmm. And our lives are involved with him. But there is a, there is a deep core within us that that God has speaks to that that he knows and we know is deeper than anything else. Mm-hmm. And I think at the deepest core of our life we have to come to a realization or a thinking of what is uppermost uh, in life, what is uppermost in eternity. And I think it is a value to consider that part of our lives and answer whatever that leads us to. Whatever is utmost in eternity is what you and I should be involved in. Are you and I involved in the things that matter for eternity and matter most to God? You know, Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 and 16, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Are you and I involved in helping others come to know him in the first place? And for those who know him, helping them know him better? How is your and my life counting for eternal values? Now I think to summarize today's principle, we might say, the more I know God intimately by spending time with him, the greater I trust him and the more I experience his joy. Also, the more I know God intimately, the more I will be involved in the things which are on His heart, things of eternal importance. Join me next time as we continue this series by Dr. Spann and as we learn more about making disciples naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the Navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.